Mickey, because of your, at least in part because of your inspiration, as we've discussed a couple of times now, my wife and I are going to test out the digital nomad lifestyle, and we are set to hit the road officially come October 1. Isn't that exciting? It is. It is. It's scary uh, a little and bit. And everything's already packed and you're ready to go. Of course. No, yeah. we, yeah, we, thank God we have a small 700 square foot apartment in DC, which is one of the reasons we're trying to uh, bust out of here. So we don't have a lot of stuff, but I, I do feel like as we've started packing a couple of things, we're like, dang, we have like more stuff than we thought, um, which I feel like is, is probably the case for most people. Wait till you have kids. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Can't imagine. Yeah. Uh, well, folks, we want to welcome you to this week's episode of Fanatical Fridays. Our goal each week is to really explore the strategies, the tactics, uh, and the techniques that separate the best enrollment management teams from the rest of the pack. We are excited for today's episode. We're going to do something a little bit different. I shot Mickey over uh, three different uh, ideas that I've been noodling on um, uh, last night in preparation for today's show, and I just wanted to sort of run through these three ideas and our goal is to kind of have like a live brainstorm back and forth you know test the how realistic any of these ideas are and hope that you all garner some insight some inspiration um or at least a good laugh if you think that these are all ridiculous um from from today's show mickey anything uh anything you want to share or add before before we just dive in let, let's dive in uh, because I've got some thoughts and feedback on, on these ideas. So I'll let you go in any order you think makes sense. But I have a feeling we're going to really uh, go back and forth on one of them. Okay, that, sound, that sounds great. And I think it's important to just remind folks. So I am from a marketing background. I spend you know my most of my days thinking about how do Google's latest changes in algorithms um, affect sort of SEO strategy for a client account. I've spent a lot of time thinking about Facebook ad copy and how to effectively A-B test Google display campaigns. So that's sort of like the world that I live and breathe in. Um, and then Mickey, Mickey, you're more on sort of the enrollment management side. Um, talk just briefly again, like how, how does your day-to-day -day compare to like what I just shared about how my how my day-to-day -day, uh, uh, looks? I'm muted. Did we lose you? Um, oh, okay. So, I was like, uh, uh oh. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> um, so I get to spend uh, 15, 20 minutes in the morning to think through um, good things like that. And then I jump on Zoom calls uh, <laughs> for seven hours. Um, and then I respond to some emails uh, for a couple hours. And then I get to call it a day. Uh, no. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I come at this from the enrollment management side. So, realistically, my work. Um, when I was in higher ed directly and now as a consultant is to say, okay, great, we've got these leads. Um, you, you're coming up with some great ideas to help generate and increase um, the diversity and the size of our inquiry pool. 
how then do we go about converting these leads because they will be different than the other leads we have? And what are those differences? How do we then think about engaging those um, prospects in a way that allows us to begin building the relationship we need to build from uh, an admission side to make them understand our institution and feel comfortable making the decision to say, this is the right institution for me. Fantastic. I think that that little bit of context is helpful for folks listening so they, they can understand a little bit more about what our day-to-days actually look like, what are the things uh, that sort of draw uh, on our attention, and where are our, you know, what are our different sort of like areas of expertise. So with all of that said, these three ideas are our marketing ideas, um, and Mickey's going to help flesh them out uh, with me and uh, poke holes in them as uh, they're very much half-baked. So, okay, idea number one. So this is, I call this idea, reverse engineer your competitor's social ad strategy to garner insights for your own promotions. One of the things that we hear a lot about when we talk to clients and just people in the industry is, yeah, you know, I know we need to do better at A-B testing across networks. I know that our Facebook ad campaigns probably need a, you know, creative refresh or the copy's probably not uh, totally on point but we just don't have the time or the resources or the bandwidth or whatever to effectively and consistently run these tests. And or uh, folks are just not sure where to get started. And one of the, I had a conversation with a couple of people last week who were using a vendor to manage all of this work for them. And that vendor, it, they, they got budget cuts and so they're not able to afford that vendor. So now they have to go figure out how to do this stuff themselves. And they're nervous, it's, it's, it's a little bit scary. They don't know, they don't exactly know how to get started. So. Here's an idea for you. There are awesome tools out there. There are several, but two in particular called Facebook Ads Library and Moat.com. And both of these uh, tools enable you to look up and see what other digital ads um, various organizations, including for our purposes, educational institutions, are running at any given point in time. So obviously Facebook Ads Library is for Facebook ads. Moat.com is for Google Display and Google Search ads. So one of the things that's really cool here is if you've got limited budget, you've got limited time, you you know don't want to recreate the wheel, you can actually go and learn a little bit more about what your competitors are doing um, and discern, okay, essentially steal their ideas. Like if they've learned something about copy or if they've learned something about creative, um, you know, you can snag that and not have to recreate your, the wheel yourself. So this is, this is roughly how it works. So you go over to Facebook ads library again for Facebook ads or, or moat.com for Google ads, and you search for a competitor school or a competitor program. Then what these tools will do is they'll bring up all ad campaigns associated with that school's page. So you can find an ad campaign that they are currently running and you know make some notes on the creative, the copy, you know whatever the offer that's associated with that ad. You know, it might be to come to a virtual event, it might be to submit an inquiry, could even be to apply. Um, and then what you can do is you can actually change the time period and have a look at the ads that they ran two weeks before this current ad set, two months before that, and then another two months before that. And really the goal here is to understand what tweaks did the school, what, you know, what tweaks did the creative agency that they might be working with make along the way um, so that you can understand, okay, hey, when it comes to this kind of offer, 
uh, this sort of tone and style from a copy standpoint works best. Or, hey, you know, we've noticed that this copy coupled with this creative works really, really well. So as you peruse the campaigns, if you're evaluating, for example, a carousel ad with different creative in each frame, and you notice that, oh wow, there's been consistent copy and the offer has also been consistent for each of these frames, chances are the school has realized that this copy and this offer are solid, but they're still trying to determine what image um, is best, right? What image has sort of the highest click-through and ultimately conversion rates. So again, that's grossly oversimplified, but the, the idea here is head on over to these resources, look up what your schools or competitors are doing, and then just literally with like 20 minutes and a little bit of analysis, um, you can actually understand the tweaks and changes they made along the way. And right, chances are if, you know, whatever they're running now, if they've been running a similar promotion for a similar program or some sort of other aspect of the institution from a branding standpoint that they're trying to highlight, they've learned something along the way. Um, so, Again, this is a little scrappy. What do you think of what do you think of this idea slash this approach, Mickey? Uh, well, I think there are a couple things you can do with that. Um, I, I imagine some folks can hear this, pick it up, jump in, and do exactly what you said. Some will be less confident that they can do that, and I think that's okay. Um, but if you take the time to look at that and you know that you're not able to go in and, and modify your campaign or do your campaign, maybe you already use a third-party firm, but you can see what other uh, institutions are doing, and that will help you better interpret or uh, think through how I suggest changes or how I interview an agency myself if I can't do yeah. it on my own. Um, you know, when a firm comes and pitches you an idea, you know, and I say this as someone who sat in that seat, who had to select a marketing agency before when I was directly in higher ed. And I, you know, honestly got sick and tired of people trying to pitch me because they knew I had a decent sized budget to spend money and they didn't know my world. They yeah. didn't know higher ed necessarily. Uh, and they made a lot of generalized assumptions and, and it was a waste of my time. And so I was, you know, I didn't have this technology to do those things, but I used to kind of track and see, you know, what, who was having events when, um, you know, how soon in the summer were they organizing some of the orientation or open houses and, and looking at those types of things and how they may have advertised some of that information uh, and got that out. I looked at that and then I used that to help kind of listen to what other firms were saying when they came and talked to me to say, okay, how far off base are they? How, if I really like a firm, how much work is it going to take me to work and gear them up to know my audience and know what I need? Is, is that worth using them? And so the, tools like this, if you can't go do it on your own, at least give you the, some additional information you don't have to really understand those who are pitching it to you. Do they really know what they're talking about or not? Yeah. Like, can you make an informed decision on the right firm? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, again, this is really, this is sort of just meant to be the way that I think about these tools and the way that I think about this, this kind of like approach or this strategy is to essentially just better equip you with more information to then go make a good decision. Like it, it's basically, it enables you to bring a little bit more, you know, fodder to the fire, a little bit uh, more sort of like concrete data um, to the conversation, whether that's with a firm or your internal team when you're thinking about uh, social strategy. And, you know, there are, uh, I, I just feel like, especially if you know that this competitor program um, is, is, is very similar to you and they're getting good traction, um, and you know that maybe anecdotally, um, or maybe you know that definitively, um, this sort of approach can help you under, it can just essentially save you time from having to go into a whiteboard session and be like, okay, where do we start? So I see this as most helpful 
for the folks that have either just had budgets cut um, and they're no longer able to use a vendor to to, to um, uh, conduct these services and or the folks that have been doing this but are trying you know they've done some organic social here and there maybe they've thrown up some boosted posts for a graduate program but they they are ready to kind of take that up a notch and take it to the next level and learn a little bit more about how to think more strategically as it pertains to launching social ad campaigns so that's that idea folks uh you know take it or leave it but if you try it out i'd love to you know hear your feedback and again we we just talked about facebook in that example uh moat.com with google ads uh does the same thing and that might be even more helpful for for some of you um especially if you're not investing tons of money in in facebook currently uh, most people are uh investing money uh either in you know search ads or or most definitely display ads okay you ready for idea number two mickey let's hear it all right so i'm gonna go a little bit out of order here and and save uh save the best one for last or the the most controversial one for last idea number three uh this is this isn't uh revolutionary by any means but um we've all seen uh schools put out zillions and zillions of um promotions for their recruitment events especially you know with this fall most of them if not all of them are are virtual and people are inundated and i really do mean inundated with emails and invites i mean i'm on you know i know that i'm not even on all of these lists but i'm on enough of them to know that i get at least two emails a day from institutions um that are inviting me to attend one of their you know virtual recruitment events uh there a lot of these are program specific um because i've because of the secret shopper experience experiments that I think I've run. But regardless, it's really, really hard to tell the difference between these events and their marketing tactics. The strategies behind them are more or less the same. Come tune in to this, you know, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time information session and learn more about our graduate program offerings. You guys get the picture. You've all have, you know, seen these promotions as well. So I think it's really important to think, okay, how do you actually differentiate your virtual recruitment events? You can't sort of rely on, oh, well, our promotions might be blah, but once they come to campus, right, they, they'll see the buildings, they'll meet the faculty, we've got like, you know, nice ambiance, we just finished this brand new, you know, great hall in, in our, you know, conference room, our, our, uh, our office or whatever it might be, right? And you, you, we just can't rely on those kind of aesthetics and, and um, um, that sort of experience to convince people to, uh, yeah, maybe the content of the presentation was sort of weak, whatever, it's okay. I love this school. I love. I fell in love with this faculty member. I love their their methodology here. You're just never going to have the same attention that you have when you're with somebody in uh, physically that you do virtually. So, I recently stumbled upon, and I think we may have briefly talked about this, Mickey. Uh, but I recently stumbled upon two tools called Room and Social Hour. These are these are startup apps, and they're they were spun up. Um, over the past few months here in light of COVID. And these platforms allow you to organize virtual events by like topic rooms. And their whole sort of pitch is we want to make virtual events actually fun and engaging and not feel like a traditional Zoom call, not feel like a, a traditional client call. 
Um, and so what they do is they've got this fantastic platform that allows you to sort of, uh, again, these are two different platforms, but they work very similarly, that allow you to essentially jump between different rooms. And as the host, right, like you can have this cool, um, uh, they call it like a like the can like the the grounds or something, and you basically organize uh, these different rooms by by topic. So this could be like you could have a financial aid room, you could have a you know campus uh, um, activities and student life room, you could have a a room just for like a club specific room. You do whatever you want, and folks can really really easily jump between different conversations. And what's also neat about this is depending on the platform, you can act, you can play like. Uh, background music, you can have sort of like a, a, a main stage event going on. And I've tested these out and it is the closest thing to like a real event um, that I've that I've experienced in any sort of virtual context. So this is the, the pitch is how do folks and this is a this is a grad specific example, how do folks take this software? So take these platforms it's a little bit more fun, a little bit more conversational focused, a little bit, uh, uh, you know, more fluid. The user's empowered to jump between the topics and the conversations that he or she is most interested in. And how do you tie this in from a marketing standpoint? So I think the way to do this really, really well is to design some sort of, you know, virtual happy hour for graduate student recruitment. And what this would look like is uh, we just talked about the software, but from a promotion standpoint, like offer the opportunity to you know reimburse uh, 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 prospective students. You, this could be inquiries. This could be for admitted students. Do do with this uh, what you want, but offer the opportunity to reimburse them for a drink or two if they actually show up to the event. So you know it's a virtual happy hour. Maybe there's a sort of like a, a bar room that you create here. Then again, there are the topic specific rooms. Um, but right, actually offer say hey if you show up to this event. And, and you know, you're live and you're participating in, in one of these rooms, we will actually uh, you know, cut you a check or, or Venmo you um, some cash to, to cover the cost of uh, a drink or two that you, you know, grabbed from your fridge. So again, this is a little bit all over the place. I think the nuts and bolts of this are, how do you get really different when it comes to these virtual recruitment events? And I think at the graduate level, you could be, at, you could be fun and position the entire event as more of a sort of informal, um, you know, happy hour sort of meet and greet and happy hour sort of like learning session. So Mickey, what do you, what do you think about that idea? What are the holes? Um, would you, would you do, advise your clients to do something like this? Uh, so I, I, I don't know, have many holes on this one. Um, I think it's important. I, I, I behoove institutions to think about finding this type of technology to add to your wheelhouse. Um, not just for the short term. Obviously, we need something for the short term. You're, you're most likely going to need something to help build your pipeline. It most likely won't be as strong. You're going to be spending more on digital. How do you then, if you're generating more digital leads, what is in your wheelhouse or your bag of recruitment trips, whatever you call it, what do you have that help move the needle and keep those folks engaged? And events is one of those key things. And if you can't get folks to campus, and you might still get some to campus, but not everyone's going to get to campus. So how do you do that? You're not going to get to them, most likely, yeah. uh, a lot of times, right? Especially in graduate programs where you might do international travel, things like that. Um, you know, if you bring students to campus typically and you get to have them meet other students, do mentor opportunities or networking things, you, you need some virtual way to do that. 
so I, I behoove you to look at these types of tools, find what's best for you and invest. You're saving some money most likely on travel this year. Hopefully that wasn't all taken away from you and you can take some of that and invest um, to, to ensure that you're diversifying your strategies and your tactics. And then the next thing I would say is, you know, if you once you have them, not if, let's just say once, let's be optimistic. Once you have it, then let's think about what is the role of that event um, or those virtual events in helping you convert your students and how do you best follow up with someone who attended that event to hmm. ensure that you know they got what they needed and that it moved them to the next phase or didn't so that if it didn't, you know how to adjust the next virtual event you have to help more folks um, feel like they can move to the next um, stage in your enrollment process. Yeah, hundred percent. And to piggyback off what you were saying at the end there, I think you, we are going to need, we're going to rely on feedback loops more than ever before, uh, this season, because the reality is mo again, most people aren't going to be able to travel and you need to understand, Hey, what do people actually think about the experience that they just had with you? And how might you need to tailor that for, you know, the virtual event you're going to have the following week. So feedback loops are, are, you know, more important than ever. And, and there's a zillion tools out there that make it really easy to, to gather this feedback. Um, you know, there's also obviously this sort of the traditional uh, uh, survey monkey and, and, you know, Google equivalent tools, but there are also lots of really free other app add-ons that make it really easy for folks to give, you know, two answer responses. So if you want more details on that, contact me or just, you know, Google this. It's, they're pretty easy to find. But I can we talk about that next week? Yeah, I, yeah, I, we totally I, I like that feedback loop. Uh, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. This is an important year more than ever to ensure that you're getting that feedback. Um, whether that's through a survey or just through other data that you're closely monitoring how folks are progressing through the pipeline. You know how many people are in each of those stages where you need to be. How do we begin to monitor that? I think that's a great topic. Fantastic. Um, for us to great. Talk about. I, I love it. All right. Idea number three. Uh, the final the final idea. And this idea is a co-branded student recruitment campaign with industry leading and, and relevant brands. So I threw this out to Mickey, um, and um, I, I'm going to pitch it again, Mickey. So what if a, an MS in finance program partnered with Robinhood, the financial services company, to give applicants $50 in investment cash if they are accepted to the program, if they apply to the program, et cetera? So this idea isn't new, right? You see things like you know Spotify reducing Spotify premium for college students, and Apple giving MacBook discounts for new college students. Uh, you know these are just some of the ways uh, that non higher ed specific brands, just consumer consumer brands, uh, entice college students to buy their products, right? Which you know a, a traditionally might be a little bit more expensive than. Uh, these these students are are used to paying for a laptop and or even even a streaming service. So brands realize that there's a huge value in discounting their products, discounting their services to younger audiences, so that they can build loyalty and, and ultimately lifelong customers. So this sort of begs the questions: Why aren't schools, and in this case um, specifically grad schools, by by this example, partnering with some brands to help reach prospective students to kind of create that same lifelong brand affinity. I think like if I saw promotions from an MS and finance program uh, that was partnered with, you know, loosely, you know, partnered with Robinhood, I think that the connotations that that would give me about that brand were that, okay, these people are, you know, not just, uh, uh, they're the, 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 
what I'm going to learn from this program is going to be edgy. It's going to be relevant. It's going to be new. It's not going to be this archaic, uh, you know, uh, content that isn't particularly relevant to the state of the financial world today. So what do you think about this idea? Do you think brands partnering with specific programs and or institutions holistically is a good idea, a bad idea? What are your thoughts? Not so fast, Zach. That's my thoughts. Um, <laughs> let's not jump into this too fast. I like having this conversation with you because um, you push me in my thinking, um, and I like to push clients in their thinking. Um, let me let me just start by saying here are the initial concerns I have with that. And I think it, you had to be very careful about the type of brand or partner that you're putting with, not just in the brand itself and the reputation, but what it is. Because realistically, when the when those brands do a partnership with something like that, they're doing it so they get more customers to buy their products, just like you said. Sure. But this is higher education, we're not buying a product. Students are paying tuition to earn an education. Hmm. And so I don't want to deviate too far from that because I want the students not to pick us because we're giving them a better discount on their Apple MacBook or getting a free MacBook because they enrolled today. I want them to enroll with us because we're the right fit that will help them earn the best learn and best succeed in their education. That's what I want with my students. And so I want to be careful about what those are. Now, if it's something that gets them in the door to have the conversation, yeah, there's, you got to watch rules. NACAC has a lot of rules. You got to be careful about some of that stuff, but I just want to be sure that we don't go so far to lose. And I think you will find, you know, um, a lot of higher ed leaders that will, will challenge based with this, with this in mind saying, you know, and faculty, especially was that, you know, we don't want to, put a whole lot of shiny bows on this. This is our education. We want to present this education um, and not entice someone the wrong way. Uh, I, I, the Robin Hood piece is different. I, I think that's a different, I, I would want to sit and ponder on that one. Um, the Spotify thing, you know, as a premium Spotify user, like it. I don't know that that's the right thing for, for education. Uh, you know, that's where I'm like, uh, you know, enroll today, you know, all of our students have free Spotify accounts. Well, I don't want someone picking me just for that. I want to pick sure. it because it's, you know, if there was something of value that we're offering through Spotify, our online learning is podcast formatted and it's available only in Spotify. Therefore we're giving all of our students, but okay, that's different. That stands out. Maybe that we can have that conversation further, but just saying, Hey, we want to do Spotify or we, because we are a Mac institution and, and uh, Tim Cook's a friend of mine, we, we were doing good, you know, just want to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, that, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. And I think like where this, where I would love to see this tactic uh, or, you know, this strategy sort of like employed is in the application process. So like, essentially in the inquiry to app conversion and really it's 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 the way that i would position this is tell your accepted you know leverage this as sort of like a, a marketing tactic but basically say look you know in order to qualify for this you have to one apply but then two also be accepted so it's less about enrolling and i think you you position a, a little bit earlier on in in the journey to enrollment a little bit earlier on in the funnel um, but yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And this might be a, a, you know, idea that's just worth sort of dropping. But I think what I'm getting at is it'd be cool to see more partnerships between brands and program specific, um, a brand that, that is, uh, aligned with what the program is actually doing, what the program's, you know, ethos is, um, and using that and taking advantage of that. And it, this would be little to no cost, uh, depending on how you structure the partnership for the institution, right? So this could just be something that they talk to Robinhood about Robinhood drops the 50, you know, 50 bucks or whatever it is into their, their investment account. So, 
anyways, food for thought. Maybe maybe it's it's fast food and you're gonna feel sick after trying it and, and it's not worth doing. Um, but uh, regardless, yeah. I think it, it's it's worth pondering on. I think so. You know, and I, again, let's take that example a little further out. I know we're right at time. Um, but, you know, that might be something, hey, students in this particular course with our partnership with Robinhood um, get this. So an investment courses and not just every student gets it. So it could be program specific, course specific. And then that's something you can talk about as something we do to, to build relationships with other companies. Uh, all those things, I, you know, I think there's a lot of ways we could we could brainstorm that further and build that out, you know, with a client if, if they were interested in something like that. Fantastic. Been, well, thank well, you for pushing me on that. Hey, yeah. I mean, again, all these ideas are, are as we've said, as I said a couple times, I'm totally half-baked, but um, I love the idea of, I love the idea of talking about ideas. Um, and, well, this and, is the oven. Yeah, Zach. yeah, Just exactly. consider this the oven. Fantastic. So you, you let the uh, dough rise, we'll put it in the oven and just finish it off. Fantastic. So, uh, Yep, that's what we're doing. <laughs> well, thank you all for being here. Um, really appreciate your time. Have a fantastic weekend, and we'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. 